electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. May I kindly and politely ask the politicians around the world to cool it and stop doing more harm than good? Maybe do your jobs and protect us from real problems. Maybe support businesses that work and stop attacking them. Maybe stop shaking down winners and go after the bad actors instead. On a day where the Dow dropped 260 points, S&P shed 0.86%, NASDAQ lost 0.72%, and believe me, it was much worse earlier in the day. I put this sell-off squarely in the laps of politicians around the world because we right now have a failure of global leadership. They know nothing. Let's start with the obvious one, the Delta COVID variant, which we're going to be hearing from more later from the outspoken genius, and I mean it, Dr. Eric Topol. First, here in America, we are doing a much better job of getting people vaccinated than most countries. But we screwed up big time when we made the vaccination process voluntary. Millions of people around the, around the world, they've died of COVID. Millions have been saved by the vaccines. Yet now we have a new strain of the virus that's spreading like wildfire in the parts of the country where people seem to be afraid of needles or politically against the process. I want you to compare that with one of the great presidents, President Eisenhower, who mandated that everyone get vaccinated against polio as soon as we had a working vaccine. I was. It wasn't some voluntary thing where the government recognized your right to choose to get sick and spread a deadly illness to others. Wipe up polio was an imperative that Eisenhower refused to botch under any circumstances. By the way, we did the exact same thing with smallpox 120 years ago. But today, today we got the rules. We don't know if companies can force their workers to get vaccinated. We, we don't even have the FDA on board. Neither Pfizer's vaccine nor Moderna's have actually been approved. They're just being administered under emergency use authorizations. The FDA will prove an Alzheimer's drug of, of incredibly dubious efficacy. But a vaccine that's been given to hundreds of millions of people is treated as an experimental exception. 
Maybe you think this is a technicality, but so many Americans don't trust the vaccines and the lack of FDA approval sure doesn't help. I challenge the FDA to explain themselves and their foolhardy behavior. They are just playing off the reservation. I point all of this out because today's sell-off was all about the Delta variant, especially the way governments around the world have dropped the ball and containing it. I was watching the futures at 4 a.m. and they were soggy, but they took the real header when we learned that there would be no spectators allowed at the Tokyo Olympics. What the heck was the Japanese government thinking? Now, I couldn't understand this decision for the life of me until I looked up the numbers and I saw that only 15 percent of Japan's people are fully vaccinated. Fifteen, one, five. I can't believe they would let the Olympics go forward without seriously preparing for a major outbreak. But even now, banning spectators seems crazy. I have another idea. Why not just ban everyone who's not vaccinated? Governments. Hey, how about the PRC when we're at it, the People's Republic of China, insisting on using its own vaccines, even though they only work about typically at best as well as a flu vaccine, maybe 80 percent. But some say it's closer to 50 percent. OK, 50 percent. That's not enough. Now, if they swallowed their pride and went with Pfizer or Moderna, their people would be much better protected. Oh, but they won't do that. And now China's economy is slowing thanks to a resurgent COVID outbreak. Totally unnecessary. Yes, they could. They could bite the bullet, tie up with Pfizer or Moderna. But what I hope they do at least is go with BioNTech, the partner of Pfizer. Now, we know governments around the world have handled this virus poorly. I think that much of the weakness here, including the decline in Treasury yields that everyone's upset about, that, that has to do with the spread of the Delta variant, too. You should fear it. Fear it, uh, what it'll do to travel. Fear that it will mutate and break through the vaccine. Uh, that, that, that's making investors worry about slowing growth. So you end up with this negative loop where people swap from stocks to bonds. That's plain and simple what's happening, okay? Believe me, I've done enough work behind the scenes to know that I'm not just saying this idly. It's not just that the world leaders keep finding new ways to screw up the response to the pandemic, though. Some stocks are also getting hit thanks to hostile government intervention. We know the Democrats and Republicans hate each other. Oh, right? I mean, ridiculous. The only thing they seem to agree on is that Facebook, Amazon, Alphabet, Apple are too powerful and must be broken up or punished or something. They want to investigate big tech, sue them, penalize them. They want to pass laws to hobble them like Kathy Bates did to James Kahn in Misery. One of Stephen King's best, although some of those scenes are hard to watch. Yesterday, after the close, we learned that Alphabet's being challenged on antitrust grounds for something we didn't even know notice as users. I mean, you know, come on. Sometimes I wonder if the politicians uh, from both parties are aliens, you know, maybe from like Mars or something, who don't use these services. Hey, maybe it's just that they tend to be really old. I'm looking at those ages. They've chosen to go after all these big tech companies that make our lives better and offer us amazing bargains. To the extent that there's a real antitrust case here is that the bargains are too good, to the point where they unfairly hobble the competition. But the solution to that so-called problem is forcing, say, Amazon to raise prices. Hey, thanks for nothing. Or how about President Biden suddenly coming out and downgrading the railroads? That's how I see his new executive order to combat consolidation, allegedly anti-competitive behavior in the rail industry. This is the first time I've ever heard anyone accuse the rails of price gouging. I see what the White House is doing. This is part of a big antitrust push. But if you want to be pro-environmental president, maybe it's not the best idea to attack the rails. They get 400 miles to the gallon, making them our best hope for clean transportation. Maybe Biden just wants to block KSU Canadian National. But his executive order crushed the whole group. What the heck are they supposed to do? Lower prices when the competition trucks has gotten more expensive? Railroads are natural monopolies, so you have to expect a certain amount of regulation. This is gratuitous. A reminder that this is not a pro-business presidency. 
anti-business. That said, an American president who's hostile to business is a heck of a lot more than Chinese president who's hostile to business. It's like President Xi suddenly remembered that China is supposed to be a communist country. The Communist Party doesn't want billionaires in their society. They don't want cryptocurrency either, so they're trying to stamp both out. Xi has turned out to be an equal opportunity destroyer. I'm still raw over the DDIPO. He let the Chinese Uber come public here, then wrecked its earnings potential a few days later by forcibly removing it from all the app stores. Don't blame me. I didn't know. That was pretty egregious, although obviously it doesn't come close to the worst crimes of the region, uh, of the regime. And I'm talking here about, like, uh, putting religious minorities in concentration camps. Yes, Nike, they do do that. Finally, can our government get it together and make it a crime to pay off the hackers and ransomware attacks, please? That would force the prospective targets to actually spend more money on cybersecurity. As long as we have no real system in place, businesses will underinvest in protecting themselves and the attacks will keep coming. See, it's cheaper to pay off the bad guys than to bring in a crowd strike or a Palo Alto. The good news, if we get the COVID variants under control by forcing people to get vaccinated, I think bond yields and the stock market will start rising again. Bad news. I don't see much hope for speeding up vaccinations without either paying people money or coercing them, neither of which is going to happen in this country. Here's the bottom line. America is one of the best vaccination programs on Earth, and we're still getting hammered by the Delta variant. So just imagine how the rest of the world's doing, and you know why the stock market got clobbered in the morning and improved as the overseas markets closed during the day. Joey in Arizona. Joey! Booyah, chill man. I'm going to get your take on Corning Glass, GLW. Six manufacturing plants in mainland China. Should I be worried about the regulatory crackdown? No, because you see, if you make it in China, they seem right now to be fine with you. Here's the problem. I don't think there's enough earnings momentum to want to be in the stock of Corning. So I'm going to say no. All right, look, we're certainly not out of the woods just yet with COVID. But if we can get the variants under control by forcing vaccinations, FDA approves it, I think bond yields and stocks could rise again. Maybe tonight, I'm sitting down with Good RX's CEO find out how the company's working to make affordable health care more accessible in a freelance economy. Then could a more sustainable approach to shopping also make for a winning investment? I've got the exclusive of the company you gotta listen to. CEO Poshmark. And one of the top doctors in the US is flashing a warning signal when it comes to the FDA and the Delta variant. What the FDA do can do to help. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of mad money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. 
When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. What do you do when a company with a great concept runs it some serious competition? Well, that's the question we need to ask ourselves about GoodRx. The platform lets you comparison shop for prescription drugs, which also has a telemedicine business. Now, I was a big fan of GoodRx when it came public last September. I love their app. Use it all the time. However, in November, Amazon launched its own pharmacy business. Then last month, Walmart announced a big expansion of its own cheap drug pricing program. Well, these are two of the largest retailers in America. Incredibly deep pockets, making them fearsome rivals, even if they're just kind of partially in the game. These competitive fears have held back GoodRx's stock over the last couple months, even as the other digital growth names have come back with a vengeance. doesn't matter if the company's still putting up real strong numbers. Everybody's too scared of Amazon. I don't even think Amazon's winning. But you've got to wonder if GoodRx has already been punished enough, especially since the company keeps rolling out new initiatives. Just today, they partnered with DoorDash to offer discount subscriptions to their, uh, to their discount drug program to DoorDash's drivers. So let's check in with Doug Hirsch. He's the co-founder and co-CEO of GoodRx to get a better sense of the landscape and what he sees going forward. Mr. Hirsch, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. Good to see you again. All right, Doug, we're going to cut to the chase on one thing and one thing very important. You have some unbelievable work that you've done about Amazon. Can't we just take them off the table? It turns out people don't like to get prescriptions by mail. You said they've never gained any ground and they haven't. Exactly. Even in a pandemic, right? I mean, you'd think when all the retail stores were shut down, that mail would have gone to the roof and it didn't really budge much. And now it's actually retreating. About 5% of prescriptions in this country are actually delivered by mail. And that's just not growing because people like going to the pharmacy. And so, you know, I feel like we've been stuck in this loop where people somehow think that, you know, GoodRx and Amazon are somehow in a battle when really we're a marketplace. And one of the great things about GoodRx is we have both better prices and more choice. Our prices are lower than Amazon's pharmacy in mail 90% of the time, at retail 100% of the time. And you can use, you know, go to your favorite place, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, you know, uh, Kroger. You know, you can get better prices and more choice with GoodRx. And yet people still, you know, somehow think Amazon is going to is going to win this battle. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I'm tired of people here saying that. Another one, Walmart. OK, other than the insulin, which was very good. And we have to ask you whether your insulin is the same price as them. They've chosen not to compete. Correct. Other than generics. Yeah. I mean, so Walmart's been discounting individual prescriptions for a long, long time before GoodRx existed even. And we've been around for a decade now. Right. Walmart did four and ten lists and they always 
I always think of those like doorbusters where you're going to put something cheap in the front yes. of the store to get people yes. in. But on an ongoing basis, again, GoodRx will find you lower prices than Walmart Plus 80% of the time, 90% of the time, if you include the cost of, I think it's a $100 uh, subscription fee. So it's like, you know, nothing's going to be the marketplace because we work very closely with all these retailers to provide the best prices at the place you want to go to. And so I just, I'm not con- concerned about these guys. In fact, I'm closer than ever with these guys because they all want to drive business. And we have 20 million people a month coming to GoodRx using our service. We have over a million subscribers to GoodRx Gold right now. We've never been faster. We're rolling out new initiatives. We're just crushing it with all these new things like online doctor visits and our own mail order service. So I just feel crazy confident and I wish the market would somehow uh, understand that a little better. Next, one of the things that bothered me about uh, two of, I'm not going to mention singular names out because it may have been the pharmacists themselves, but two of the pharmacists major chains was that they had it within their ability to know how much GoodRx was, was charging. And yet they paid me the full, full freight, which angered me to no end. A third pharmacist I went to, and there's three of these, right, told me, listen, go get the GoodRx coupon. It'll save you thousands of dollars. I mean, the system should be sending people to GoodRx. Well, and, and funny enough, the system actually does. I mean, one of the greatest strengths that we have in a decade of business is that doctors and pharmacists actually believe in GoodRx because they want patients to take the drugs they prescribe and they want the patient to not leave the counter frustrated. And so very often for a consumer, their interaction, their first interaction with GoodRx is a pharmacist or a doctor saying, hey, you should use this because it can help. And it may even be lower than your insurance because, again, commercial insurance is not what it used to be. And we're so proud that, again, like with GoodRx Gold, we have over a thousand drugs for less than $10. The average member saves $2,600 a year. We just added Rite Aid to get our expelled too. So now you have over 30,000 pharmacies you can go to. So I just, I think it's important that people understand that, that we're working in, we're working with the business, we're working with the industry. Doctors want this. Pharmacists want this. They want people to take their meds. They're good people. And we want to support them in that mission. And if people don't uh, believe, just go in the web. It's a number one web, web weighted, number one rated website for uh, medical for the last three years. You can just go download it. They have it right there. They have the prices that you're paying versus the prices you will pay. It's astonishing. You have have written, someone dies every four minutes in the U.S. for not taking prescribed medicine. It's directed 20 to 30 percent of all prescriptions in the U.S. not filled. This has to do with price, not laziness, correct? A hundred percent. I mean, you know, I can ask any pharmacist that they'll tell you that, you know, when the person's standing at the counter and, and they say it'll be 20, 25 bucks, which may sound, you know, low to you, but for a lot of America, that's a big bite. They'll just leave it. They'll just be like, forget it. I won't take it. And so people need tools. They need to have information and then they need to have the ability, just like they do in any other industry, to to say, hey, I'm going to go here because I can get a better price here. Or I'm going to use GoodRx instead of my insurance. You have to be an active consumer and we give you those tools so you can be smart and educated and take control of your healthcare like you would with any other category. You just haven't been able to do it in healthcare because it's a big, mysterious black box. And smart and educated, that means vaccines. You, how many millions of people have you been able to help convince that may not have been vac- vaccinated that it's worth it? Yeah, I mean, over 2 million people came to GoodRx, signed up. And what we did is we tracked inventory across the entire country, every single place that was doing uh, vaccine appointments. But, you know, this was back when it was really hard. There was more demand than supply. And, you know, literally, I woke up in the morning. I was like, I'm going to solve this because someone's got to solve this. Consumers want to be able to get access to to, to vaccines. And I'm very, very proud of the work we did. I think we had the biggest tracker of vaccine appointments. We found people appointments. We, you know, did a did a, a solid thing for the for people. I mean, this was saving live stuff. 
And it's what makes me, it's what I wake up every morning wanting to do. And it's the, my dream product. And I'm so excited that we got to put this and, out and, and just ultimately help you. And finally, because I think it's terrific, the GoodRx and DoorDash partner to provide dashers nationwide with access to GoodRx Gold. We are all worried about the gig economy, people. We all feel that to some degree they're being shafted. They've, uh, anybody freelance this country, 53 million people, you say, are freelance. This is what they need, correct? Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, very often at our company, we're responsive, right? People call us up and say, help, I have a pain point or my members have a pain point. So DoorDash called us up and said, help, we've got all these dashers who can't afford their prescriptions. They can't stay healthy. We need healthy dashers. And we said, we can help you with this. GoodRx Gold is an incredible product that can find you savings on all your prescriptions. We also, by the way, just closed the deal with USAA as well for their members. Like we're focused on trying to serve not just American consumers, but organizations, employers, anyone that basically is finding these pain points and wants to have a healthy population. With, with the video with them. the doctor, you can do it with a doctor because you also have that service now. Correct. We got video doctor visits, which are super cheap. I think they right. started like 19 bucks. It's just super easy. And then we can even send the prescription right to your house, just like you know many other folks do. But with GoodRx, it's all in one box. You just do it. You push a button. It comes at a very reasonable price. Well, look, when the company was private, I will leave you with this about, about GoodRx. I said, you've got, I hope this company goes public because it has saved me and my family thousands of dollars. I don't mind saying that now that it's public. I don't understand the pricing of the stock. I just don't. But you know what? Uh, you heard about what we said about Amazon, and that is ridiculous, but it's probably the principal reason why it's not rallying. Doug Hurst, co-founder and co-CEO of GoodRx. Doug, it's always great to see you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much. Look, I'm not telling you to, to you got to do all the work, but start with the app. If you like the app, then you'll probably understand what the heck I'm talking about. Bad Money's back here for the break. Coming up, buy, sell, and look your best. Simple, clean partnership, and that's why our sellers are loyal to us, and so are our shoppers. Kramer checks in with the online store that does more. Next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Earlier this year, we got a wave of IPOs that soared to just kind of Ridiculous levels really tainted the whole group before falling back to, down to earth. Now, some of those stocks, I think, are worth picking at. Oh, but you got to be selective and you got to know what you're doing. Which brings me to Poshmark, the online resale marketplace, mostly for apparel, that came public with a bang in January. Now, the deal price of 42, good price. But then the stock soared more than 140% on its first day of trading, jumping to 101 bad. Since then, the stock's come way, way down, pulling back to 39 and changed. Now it's below its offering price. Could it be enticing at these levels? These resale marketplaces have been growing like weeds lately, and Poshmark has excellent numbers. 40% plus revenue growth in the latest quarter, not to mention positive earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. 
meaning it's not losing money. Plus, it's got a great ecosystem. Seven million active buyers, nearly five million sellers, many of whom are also basically content creators curating their own looks for their customers. Yes, you can actually do so much cool stuff on this site. This afternoon, we got a chance to speak with Postmark's, uh, Poshmark's founder, chairman, and CEO, Manish Chandra, at the NASDAQ Stock Exchange. I thought it was fascinating. I want you to take a look. Manish, I think the world is buzzing about the pandemic wardrobe purge, and I keep hearing Poshmark's name when I hear about the purge. Well, we are right in the middle of it because we have millions of people who are using us to purge their closets, recycle, and buy new things on the platform. Recycle, meaning this does not end up in a landfill, which millennials and uh, all the gens are just trying to stop. Absolutely. We save millions and millions of clothes from going to the landfill and really finding not just homes, but homes where people are excited to, to wear these things. I mean, everything I'm wearing is from Poshmark, and everything has found a new life on my body. Well, did you find it at a Poshmark party? I did. I did. We, had, we have amazing parties every evening where people, buyers and sellers, come together, both in the virtual world, Jim, but also in the physical world. And we actually just last month had our first physical event after almost two years, a small 30-person gathering of all vaccinated people, which was just amazing to see our community back in that. And what was it like? I wish it, was, it was amazing. So our community is very special. Uh, people support each other. Our sellers are not only sharing items from their own closets, but they spend more than half their time sharing items from other people's closets. So that promotion of each other and support for each other was alive in the party. People were missing each other. They were hugging each other. They were tears of joy. They were connecting, sharing tips. And I learned so much about our community. Well, but people immediately say, well, how can they go up against Depop, how can they go, which is now owned by Etsy? How can they own against Real Real? This is a different model, what you're talking about. It really is. We are a social model. We're a community-based model very loyal buyers and sellers that allows to have very long legs. From the beginning, we created a very simple partnership with our sellers. 20% we take, 80% they keep, and that has allowed us to not change our commissions for almost 10 years now. Very different than most marketplaces, we keep tacking fees. Ours is simple, simple, clean partnership, and that's why our sellers are loyal to us, and so are our shoppers. All right, well, let's, let's talk about sellers. My daughter, sometimes I'll call her, she says, Dad, don't bother me, I'm selling things on Poshmark. As if it's a business. But I think it is a business. It is. It is. People start by selling a few items out of their closet and then slowly discover their superpower, which is selling merchandising. They start to source items. They help. My daughter, for example, helps some of my wife's friends sell their items. And then they start to discover that superpower. They go sourcing. They go thrifting. And then they start to create these closets. People have built seven-figure businesses what? on Poshmark. So they have people who literally started with their... Their, their garage, their, their closet, and now are making a million dollars. million dollars, yes. We've, we've got, you know, someone who started the business, she was 18. She's first modeled a single scarf from her mom, and now she has a pretty large business on Poshmark. Actually employs people. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrific. Growing economy and uh, opportunistic and empowerment. I know that you are empowerment, but, but I also have discovered that you lead. Now, this could be recently, but you've taken a huge step for diversity and inclusion. Uh, uh, there is literally um, every single sacred clothes from every single religious group now available. Very uh, not in, in direct listings. Yes. And yes. that was a conscious decision for diversity and inclusion. We, we started by sort of saying, okay, we got to be filtered when we're starting. And my co-founder, Tracy, we looked at it. 
but literally there were buyers and sellers from all different backgrounds. So we started to really encourage that whole thing and recently launched something called Style Tax that really allow you to broaden that diversity into many different directions and merchandise in many different directions, even stuff that we haven't conceptualized yet. All right, so let's talk numbers. Uh, is the, uh, as we get vaccinated, you're getting more and more people? Is the tr- trend line like this? Well, we, we certainly are seeing real change in what people are buying. So, for example, things like uh, bikinis, things like jean shorts, things you know, which, which are basically used for going out, are up 80 to 100 percent on the platform. Work dresses are starting to see an uptick 30 plus percent on the platform. And workout clothes are actually seeing a downtick as we sort of move away from sweats to real dresses. So we're sort of, in a way, starting to get people ready. If you think about a platform like ours, you go out, you meet, you go on a date. You go to a wedding, that dress that you're wearing is now ready for recycle and reuse. Well, for the last year and a half, we were sitting at home. Right. So as people are going, going out, it just starts to kind of get that, what you call this, this big pandemic purge so, is starting to happen. But I, I understand there are people who basically are saying, I am sick of it. I'm vaccinated. I'm going out. I want to get rid of everything and start all new. But all new, meaning all new from Poshmark. All new from Poshmark. And it's really, it's, it's, it's in a way, it's, it's a gigantic purge. But your purge is value for someone else. What you don't like, I like. What I like, what I don't like, you like. So this sort of this whole gigantic movement is so much better than taking these clothes and throwing them in landfill and sort of discarding them. And what Poshmark we do special is we really allow you to curate these items. So, for example, when you're putting an item for sale, you're not just like, oh, here's an item for sale. Just take, you create a cover shot. You may even create a video. We were talking about your daughter creating yeah, a video. for a purse the, because she couldn't sell the inside. Exactly, exactly. And so people get really carried away and they sort of create these beautiful things. In our platform, people don't re- leave reviews. They leave love notes. You get a love note at the end of the process. So it's really a much more social, much more community-oriented platform than anything you've seen. But let's say you're Josh Silverman, you're Etsy, he watches the show, he's bought Depop, he paid a lot of money for it. Why can't he just say, okay, people, I want community, I want social, I want this duplicated. Isn't that a concern? Uh, Well, I mean, I think if if you build something great, people are going to replicate it. By the way, I love Josh and have a lot of respect for him, so absolutely. But at the end of the day, fundamentally, what we built is social and simple. For example, one of the things we created day one was something called Posh Post. When you sell an item, you get a shipping label. You don't have to worry about the size of the item, the physicality. Just ship it. That simplicity requires a pretty big bet to make. When you sort of have everyone curating items, not just from your closet, from other people's closet, that's a big bet you make. So all of these things are hard to sort of just shift a platform in this direction. You've got to believe in it, you've got to live it, and you've got to work it. Uh, I signed up. Uh, they've got one, I got like an hour of free shipping. You're offering great stuff. So you might want to tell people if they sign up, it starts instantly. It starts instantly. You start to build your community. You start to build shipping. You start to get sellers. And, and really the great thing is sellers are building their community of shoppers and shoppers are building their community of sellers. That creates that stickiness that allows for those long cohorts to develop on the platform. Uh, and if someone wants to get started toward building a million-dollar business, what do you suggest? Uh, I would suggest starting to get great listings, update great photos, share, follow people, connect, and build your own community and build your own dream on Poshmark. Well, Manish, it's, it is very, very exciting. And I just think that what you've done is remarkable. That's Manish Chandra. He's founder and CEO of Poshmark. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me, Jim. Coming up, economies reopening. The Delta variant threatening. The COVID recovery continues, and the doctor is in next. 
Just when we thought we'd finally beaten the pandemic, this new COVID variant starts spreading like wildfire all over the world. We're in relatively good shape in America with high vaccination rates compared to the rest of the world. Other countries are having a harder time. Witness Japan declaring a state of emergency and banning spectators for the Olympics just early morning. So we can't take the recovery for granted. We need to stay close to the story. And if you want to follow the pandemic, you have to read everything from Dr. Eric Topol. Now, at the very least, follow him on Twitter, please. He just published a piece in The New York Times last week arguing that the FDA needs to fully approve the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, which are still being administered under emergency use authorization. Frankly, that's crazy. So let's consult with Dr. Eric Tobel. He's a fantastic cardiologist, founder and director of the Scripps uh, Transnational Science Institute, an NIH-funded program focused on individualized medicine, and has written a lot of great books. Dr. Tobel, welcome back to Mad Money. Uh, great to be with you again, Jim. All right, Doc, uh, there's some serious stuff we got to talk about, and, and I want to start with the idea that this, this market went down very big last night because Japan said no spectators. Uh, you published a tweet just not that long ago about how about the, the, in UK how bad this variant really is. It, give us the real skinny on the Delta variant. It sounds very bad to me. Well, it depends on your perspective. The cases in the UK are certainly going up. And yes, there's hospitalizations and deaths going up with them, but nothing like what has occurred in previous waves there. And on the, on the other hand, in Israel, where there's even higher levels of vaccination, uh, perhaps even more potent vaccines because of only using uh, Pfizer and Moderna, but there, the, the case rise, and they're Delta dominant, just like in the UK, maybe not quite as long, but they're doing very well. The case rise is small, and essentially, you know, little beyond that. So, you know, it depends on your perspective, but the places that have the most vaccination uh, are holding up well. And places like Indonesia, uh, Russia, South Africa, Bangladesh, many other places that have poor vaccination rates are experiencing the worst waves of the entire pandemic. And that's a real problem. All right. So let's talk about United States. Uh, just now, there was some news about how Biogen may not be able to get away with its $56,000. We don't even know whether it really works. So-called stopping of Alzheimer's, which you and I both know is not true. Uh, somehow that happened. It got right through. Got right through the FDA. The, mm. We have millions of people taking a vaccine that you just said has worked very well under emergency use. Doc, if this were just made into a regular approved vaccine, couldn't we go to employers and say you can mandate it? Exactly. So here's the amazing thing that you're getting at. Hundreds of millions of people now have taken the mRNA vaccines. There's never been an emergency use authorization for a new vaccine in history. And so the, the idea that you could approve an Alzheimer's drug for anyone with Alzheimer's with no data or evidence clinical to support it, but not approve these vaccines for full use, not emergency use. And then what we're getting at is once that occurs, the day that occurs, so many health systems, uh, companies, uh, municipalities, uh, school, high schools, universities are just going to make this a requirement. So that's where we can get tens of millions of more people in this country vaccinated, which will give us so much more protection against the Delta variant. So who in what is supposed to be a progressive FDA is standing in our way? So we might be able to maybe single them out and put a little pressure on them. Well, we do need to put pressure, which is why you know I wrote that New York Times op-ed. But 
there's no word, you know, there's not even any transparency about what's going on. And we do know, I think this is important to underscore, these applications for full approval didn't just appear suddenly in May. They actually were being serially given to FDA for review because of this pandemic situation. So the FDA has had seven months to do plan inspections, to do review of all the data, uh, manufacturing, and they haven't said a word about what's going on. And that's not acceptable. I can't believe they're not listening to you. You have been such a great authority. Okay, well, let's deal with another thing. We all have what I regard as anecdotal evidence of breakthrough cases. Nothing empirical, though. We also hear that the breakthrough cases do not necessarily lead to deaths or even hospitalizations, a lot of asymptomatic. Uh, Is it going to be empirical? Will we soon find out that breakthrough cases are much bigger than we think? And are those people who get sick or even asymptomatic, could they suffer longer term from a long haul COVID that we don't know about? Yeah, you got a couple of big questions, important ones there. We don't really know the story about long COVID uh, in a breakthrough infection. There's just nothing known. We're hoping, of course, that it would be uh, a a non-issue, but we just couldn't say at this point. The breakthrough infections, you know, it's still early. Uh, The people that are going to be prone are going to be more advanced age or have any kind of immunocompromised and certainly the Delta variant is more of a challenge because it, you know, just published today in Nature, it really got into this immune evasiveness of this version of the virus. So, you know, breakthroughs take time uh, to show up. So far, this country has had an incredible track record for a lack of any symptomatic breakthrough infections, you know, 99.5% of the deaths that have occurred have been in unvaccinated people. So few of any serious infections, severe illness has occurred in people vaccinated. But we're just now, Jim, getting into the time when Delta is dominant in this country and it is showing up big time, you know, in certain states like Arkansas and Missouri with poor vaccination rates. And what that poses is people who have been vaccinated they're not 100%. So, you know, some percent are going to be exposed to those people getting spreading COVID, and we're going to see more breakthrough uh, infections, and we'll see what happens. Doc, I understand that Pfizer might be developing a vaccine booster that would just be for the Delta variant. What are you hearing? Well, they just filed for an emergency authorization for the third booster dose. Uh, that's an application that isn't approved by the FDA. The problem with it, Jim, is there's not sufficient data to warrant that. We don't know whether people are going to need a booster because just because the antibody levels come down in the blood, people make B cells that are on demand to make antibodies later and T cells. So this might be necessary in people of advanced age or if they have uh, immunocompromised conditions. But still, there are no data to support wide need for a booster shot. Obviously, it's in the interest of Pfizer, but it may not be in the interest of most people. Well, I sure hope people listen to you. I feel like that it is downright selfish at this point to not take the vaccine. What do you say? One last thing. What do you say to the people who are saying I'm anti-vax and I don't want to take it? What do you say? Well, this is the most impressive triumph of biomedicine in history. And to not take advantage of it, not just for yourselves, but for everyone that you connect with in your life, 
is really uh, uh, extraordinary. I mean, to have this great progress and not take advantage of it. Uh, it's sad because the disinformation out there, Jim, is profound. These are lies. These are made up, fabricated stuff. Uh, the, the safety and efficacy of the vaccines are extraordinary, unprecedented. And we should really take uh, the benefits that they can reap for protecting us. Well, doctor, thank you so much for coming on and for your common sense, as always. Dr. Eric Topol of Scripps Research. Great to see you, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Yep. Listen to this man. I have followed, I read all his books. I followed him from the moment we were able to take, uh, get knowledge of him. He's right. Man, money's back in. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Steve? Daddy, time for the lightning round. Let's start with Miguel in New York. Miguel. Hey, Jim, first-time caller. Um, Excellent. Quick question. Although yeah. what happened with uh, Biogen, AVXL, Anavex's data looks far better. What do you- yeah, people keep telling me that, you know, and, the, and i got to tell you, I'm intrigued because the Biogen data doesn't look that good. I think you stick with it. It's real spec, though, but I think you stick with it. Mark in Florida. Mark. Yeah, this is Mark. Thanks for all your encouragement, Jim. I'm trying. What's going on? My question is about the very acquisitive Mirian Technologies of San Ramon, that ticker symbol G-S-A-H. Okay, well, that is, you know, frankly, that's a, that's a very important SPAC that I don't know enough about, so I can't cuff it. I've got to do more work on that particular SPAC because I do hear good things that's, uh, that I believe Goldman is involved with them. Let's go to, I've got to find out more about them. Let's go to Peter in Illinois. Peter! Hi, Jim. This is Peter's mom. Peter has a question for you. Okay, sure. No problem. I invested in NIO, the Chinese auto EV company. Uh, I bought it at $34. It went up to $55, but now it crashed to $45. No, no, young man, young man, listen to me. We're done with with Chinese IPOs. I want you to sell NIO, okay? I want you to sell half of it tomorrow and then hope it goes up. I love your interest, but I am very worried about China. And so if I saw you in person, I would say, hey, buddy, come on. Let's take a little off the table. I need to go to Sebastian in Florida. Sebastian. How are you, Jim Kramer? How are you doing? I am good. How about you? Good. Great. I want to ask you about the stock CCB. Okay, this is this is Churchill's. This is like Michael Klein's thing. Um, I'm, I'm Man, I know that it sounds wrong that I'm just punting on all these, but he's got five. He has five SPACs, and I'd be wrong just to say, oh, here's what I would do with that SPAC. I've got to do more work. I apologize. Let's go to Tad in North Carolina. Tad. Booyah, Dr. Kramer. Oh, booyah. How are you? Upstart, ticker, um, my stock is upstart. Ticker, okay, ticker. I do not understand the short position in upstart. Why don't the mean people, the apesters, whatever the heck they are, call themselves, go after that company because it is really good. Artificial intelligence lending. Would you please go after something good? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, have Zoom will travel? Find out how a mobile workforce is changing the economy in ways you won't believe. Next. Next. 
tomorrow. Kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. Jim, it's been a pleasure. It's been fantastic. Yeah. Yes, Jimmy. Teacher, I really like this class today. Okay, I'm glad. Well, you yeah. can now. Uh, you have I'll permission you to an leave. apple tomorrow and a bagel. Okay. Thank you. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. It's a brutal, full-contact sport. From the time the whistle blows, traders bracing for what could turn out to be a wild session. To the last play of the game. Markets absolutely getting hammered today. I know it's not easy, but I promise to keep fighting for you. Jim Kramer, leveling the playing field for all. The road is a tough one, but the payoff can be your greatest win of all. Join Mad Money's training camp weeknights. Yesterday, there was this fascinating story in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Ketchum, Idaho, has plenty of available jobs, but workers can't afford housing. Now, if you read that headline and couldn't leave your eyes, I don't blame you. How could there be such a terrific place to work with nowhere for those workers to live? Simple. When rich people untether from the office, they don't go to places that have lots of spare housing capacity. They go to far more exclusive locales that simply can't handle the new onslaught. Whenever I see a story like this one, I almost can't believe the built-in naivete, especially considering that many journalists tend to be pretty cynical. We know the pandemic has created a hybrid work environment, have Zoom will travel, which means lots of wealthy people can now live far away from where they work and pay any amount of money for a house in the country, country certainly more than anyone can in the existing population. The phenomenon in Ketchum, Idaho is playing out across virtually every scenic little town in America. The cities are emptying out and a horde of rich people have descended upon the country, something nobody could possibly have seen coming. It's almost as though there is a, a rich rush, like the gold rush, where people with lots of money flock to a particularly gorgeous area. And very strange things start to happen because the local resort-based economy, and it is resort-based, just can't handle the strain. You know what it reminds me of? It's a, a trip that we took, may have money, to the Bakken in North Dakota back during the shale boom a decade ago. We wanted to see it firsthand. I made sure that we take a look at the McDonald's in that area. There was one, by the way, in the town of Williston in the heart of the giant oil field where workers made $26 an hour because that was the only way they could afford to live in an area where the cost of living had skyrocketed. That McDonald's could have chosen to shut down rather than pay higher wages. But there was, well, uh, too much business to justify going out of business. However, it wasn't like that originally. When the shale boom began, they couldn't find any workers. Whenever you hear a company say that, it's co- that, you know what it's code for? We won't pay people enough to work here. That McDonald's in the Bakken showed me how you deal with a labor shortage created by a booming economy. Offer enough money and you'll find plenty of workers. That's the solution, and it's going to have to happen in places like Ketchum, Idaho. The rich rush is bringing tremendous demand for all sorts of services that the wealthy can't live without. If you want a piece of that business, you'll have to pay workers a lot more than you used to because the cost of living in these places is soaring. That's an unintentional consequence of remote work. We've got a situation where rich people can live in places where they just used to vacation. Now we're in the toughest moment, the moment I observe when I talked to business owners in the Bakken. You see, they'd seen something similar before. There was an oil boom and that then went bust not that long before this one. So all of the businesses that expanded ended up getting crushed. I think we're seeing those wrenching stories 
because business owners are afraid to invest in expansion, only to find that their new patrons have been called back to the office. If the hybrid workplace goes away, that could end up like the Bach and Shale region, where former boomtowns are now fighting ghost town status. But I know how this plays out. Slowly but surely, businesses in these towns will realize that untethered white-collar workers and the ever-improving Zoom economy have created a permanent mismatch that's actually worth catering to. If they don't provide these services, then someone else will step in and solve the labor problem by doing what? By paying people a lot more. Like that McDonald's in North Dakota where people made $26 an hour. The most beautiful parts of the country have have to come to grips with the notion that the hybrid workplace is really here to stay. And if they want to make money off their new rich neighbors, they're going to have to raise wages. When it comes to business, this problem will ultimately take care of itself. I am actually more worried about the public policy side. People who work for local governments, think police, fire people, teachers, they could be driven out if they don't get the raises they need. But as for Ketchum and all the other vacation spots with lots of job openings and few people to fill them, there's a very simple solution. As President Biden has whispered, pay them more. Just like in Williston, North Dakota, pay more or someone else will do it and make outstanding profits in the process. Pay them more. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Craver. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, package and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.